Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlows, and I'm Karen. I'm Kelly Sarlow. Uh, this morning we're talking about empaths again. We've done prior show um, specifically on that, uh, but this is an, a second show because we have had so many people request, either by email or in person or telephone or Skype, whatever, to do more shows about empaths, um, our abilities, all of the senses, and just, oh, there's, there's just so many, there are so many questions about this. So today, at the very beginning, Kel, I wanted to just start by um, asking you to join me in sharing how, in, in like, in all the different ways that people come forward to say that they're empathic, all of the things that they kind of go through. Okay. Um, and just to throw them in and to go back and forth so that perhaps somebody listening to that can identify with it themselves mm-hmm. um, or they might be able to to hear that that's their student or that was their patient and they were in the like mm-hmm. and, and so on so that people can maybe identify something that's going on in their life that they just don't understand mm-hmm. that they may be looking for answers to um, or or not and just not even know where this is coming from this podcast could be coming right out of nowhere at them okay Okay. Um, do you uh, want to start? Well, what I was going to say is if it is coming out of nowhere for someone, then maybe uh, what you would like to do before um, going forward and listening to this podcast is to go back to the one called um, The Joys and Struggles of Being an Empath. Because mm-hmm. that, I think we've done a couple shows on this already, but um, that one I think was a really big introduction to uh, what it means to feel what other people feel. Yes, and they can also listen just to all of the podcasts because I think in every single podcast there are bits and pieces yeah, that I'm will not help to overwhelm them. them. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, if anybody is really looking for a support system or an education about it, um, listening to the different shows g- gives you different ideas all the time how we use these gifts and what empathic really mm-hmm. means. Um, okay, so let's start. I don't know if this is the best place to start, but it's one of the uh, biggest things that I notice uh, just in, in um, life, I guess, not just in the treatment room, is huge amounts of social anxiety by mm-hmm. pretty much everyone I know. Um, the hesitation or apprehension to attend large events, mm-hmm. um, the hesitation to even be a part of uh, social situations where it's a loud environment. So, for example, Tuesday nights, I love going to the Raven and participating in trivia. Um, It's a really fun experience, but it's a loud experience. It's a crowded experience. Uh, And even though I'm really only required to interact with, you know, the six or seven people at my table, six or seven people can be a really big deal. And overhearing and being so close to other people in the room is also a big deal. Um, It's it's a like bombarding of the senses. I get that in restaurants. Yeah. Um, and I was going to share a story I was thinking about this morning when I was doing my yoga practice, remembering back when I was a kid, um, how my family liked watching hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights and, um, I couldn't, and that my mom liked roller derby on TV on Saturday mornings and I couldn't watch things. So it wasn't just about being at the event. I couldn't watch the event either. Mm-hmm. So I was so highly in tune and empathic even as a kid that even if I watched a hockey game on TV or boxing, oh my God, 
I was a blubbering mess. Um, it's like I could feel every punch. It's like I, I could feel the sadness of the mother watching her kid getting hit. Mm-hmm. And I know some people might think, well, I'm a mother. I see my kid getting hit at a hockey game. I don't give a shit. I do. <laughs> um, maybe that mom isn't empathic, but I am. And it isn't for just for my own child at the hockey game. If he's skating on the ice and he's fine and two other kids are being are, are in a fight on the ice, I'm still feeling the anxiety of the kid who's being beaten up. I'm feeling the pain as they're being hit. Because being hit, even if you've got gear on, you get smashed in the face or even the child who's doing the hitting because, or the adult, because that hurts their fist. That hurts them as well. Mm -hmm. It might put their shoulder out or cause some pain. And I know people might think, oh, what a wimp. I don't care. It's the, the point is, is that being called the wimp or being called the suck, um, might also be take that word out what an empath um what what um what an intuitive but people don't want to see it that way they want to see it as just shut up and go to the hockey game well i think this is something um hmm. i want to not just illustrate the physical aspect and i'm i'm Mm -hmm. sure you're on the same page Mm -hmm. is when you're talking about seeing just the person that's well sorry but seeing both the person that's being beaten up and the person who's doing the beating um the incredible amount of sadness that you have to feel to empathize with the person who is beating mm-hmm. because it means they've had to deaden themselves mm-hmm. and they've also had to create an us them mentality. Yes. Right. And so that person has to create such a division between them and the other person. Yeah. They are an other. So they can't connect to them. They can't connect to what it must feel like to be hit even though they are the one making the contact or the connection with that person. It, it's hugely ironic that you are literally making a physical connection to them, but you are disconnecting yourself from the emotions. Mm-hmm. And if you're an empathic person and you are that hockey player that the coach says, you got to take this person out, you got to hit them, you got to defend your, the other people on the team, you're the, you're the grunt guy. I don't know because I'm not a hockey person. Mm-hmm. Enforcer. Okay. Tai Domi, enforcer. Okay. I, I just remember that from childhood. Oh, okay. That when you say you have to disconnect. Now, I want, there's a few things I wanted to bring into this conversation. You've done it beautifully. I was listening to a TED Talk, and it's by a gentleman from Harvard University. And he, one of the longest studies ever done was over 75 years. All men in the study, 1,500 men. Um, and they studied them. Uh, a group of people, they had to do surveys on 1,500 men. There's th- This is the longest, most successful study, asking them about happiness. These are men that went through the Second World War and so on and so Great on. Target. Great target market. Yeah. And I, well, that was that oh, was sarcasm. Oh, I know. And, and, and he's laughing about his study at the end of it, I'll tell you. Because it took, and every woman and anybody with common sense is going to laugh at how much money they wasted on this study and time. The biggest thing that makes people happy, and apparently men, is being connected, connectivity. Mm -hmm. And yet, the very thing that we do is ask them, for example, in this hockey game, is to be able to disconnect by making it an us-them mentality and by making it okay to hit. The sport itself, of any sport, of being able to get the puck into the net 
and have certain skating skills, team building skills, is one thing. And I do understand that. I understand skill. Um, but you and I are talking about empaths. And we're talking about how difficult it is if you're empathic to be able to have to shut down the very root basic thing of all human nature. Um, and and I'll, I'll say pass that into animals as well, that they're being asked to shut those skills down, those, I'll say, and not just skills, but those that innate part of our humanness to be able to, I don't know, do what, win the game, I guess, or get the crowd revved. And that's something else that empaths have great difficulty with when you say social structures is being able to um, feel what's going on in the arena, I'll say, um, where everybody's revved up in anger, screaming and yelling, hit, punch, fight, fight, fight. Mm -hmm. The amount of energy that's going around in that place. Um, and I'll say some people think, oh, it was great. It was so fun. In the, and their idea of so fun and a good evening was that they got so angry and that they wanted two people to hurt each other. And then they wanted to be able to say that that felt good, which is really the exact opposite of what your heart or your soul or your brain really wants to experience. Mm -hmm. And how very difficult a job it is for an empath to shut down common sense. And, I, and I'm just wording it as common sense, but all of their innate uh, uh, ways of being human in order to be in a social social situation. Okay, and then when you're asked to be in public and you're asked to be a part of conversations like in a restaurant or at a party, um, those kinds of situations. So, okay, I meant more one-on-one -on -one where the focus isn't on an event, it's on the people in the room where you're asked to do small talk or you're asked to participate in um, like conversations across the table kind of thing. I wanted to discuss it because I know you mm -hmm. and I both have issues of social uh, going to social events um, where it's in, it's an invitation, right? Even to things that you are invited to and you know the person very well who's hosting this, um, it's it's a difficult or a difficulty or a struggle to actually even attend um, or to want to stay very long. Uh, it almost feels like an obligation to say hi, pop in, and just kind of make an appearance and then leave. And I want to talk about the emotions that we go through um, before, during, and after. Because I think a lot of people don't understand if they love their best friend but don't want to show up to their best friend's birthday party. Does that make me a bad person? Is there something wrong with me? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm just kind of looking for your two cents in that as well. Before I go out into public... In any any kind of event, um, I know that when I'm at home in my own space, that I'm already picking up information as an empath, that I can already be feeling certain things, like I can already be feeling anxiety, or I can be feeling um, sometimes depressed, mm. um, sometimes uh, body pain. So I can have, like today, uh, before we went out to the drugstore, my foot started full of pain again. I thought it was my own foot, my own pain, mm -hmm. because I have some issues with my foot right now. And I thought, oh, geez, it hasn't flared up in like a month. Um, but that that part of my foot is really hurting again. So I had physical pain. I had some anx anx anxiousness about it because I thought it was my own. And I thought, oh, geez, my stuff is flaring up. That's not good. So there was worry. 
Um, and my head didn't go to the space right away that, oh, this must be somebody else's. I'm just wondering if it's mine, or I'm assuming, first of all, that it could be, or that it is. Then when we went out and went into the drugstore, um, I'm still feeling the pain as I'm walking on my foot. But the pharmacist came out behind the counter after she served me, and she has a cast on her right foot, and it's my right foot. Mm -hmm. So then I looked at her and thought, oh, thank God. So I feel relief. I feel like I'm out of my crazy. Um, And so maybe back it up that now that I know it's not mine, there's something about was I crazy to have felt that to begin with. And this is something that empaths constantly battle with is the fear of being crazy. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't necessarily come from the fact that other people make you feel that way just yet. I'll yeah. say, cause <laughs> just yet, just bear with me people because there's so much layered into being an empath that you question once you know, it's not yours. There is a sense of relief, but there is this wondering that you're crazy. Was I crazy to actually feel somebody else's stuff? So you question yourself to begin with. But then if you have some certain people around you that are not educated about this, they may in fact encourage you to believe that you are because they may say things like that's crazy. That's, that's crap. That's bullshit. And because they don't have an education about it, they take their beliefs and dump it and build, I'll say build your fire, that fire of insecurity or that fire of, of, um, not understanding or wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this is something that empaths struggle with a lot. Is this mine? Is this somebody else's? Mm -hmm. And that even when you do figure out that it is somebody else's, the, I'll say the process or the battle with yourself isn't even over yet. But hopefully with these shows, people will start to get different tools to recognize, okay, then then maybe I can recognize that this sore foot was hers, not mine. And then as my next step goes down, that foot pain is gone. And that it is. That in fact, it is. And it is not, excuse me, that this is a mental illness. That this is not a reason for a trip to my doctor or to a psychiatric person. Um, psychiatrist or mental health person for the for the reason of diagnosing me or telling me that I'm wrong or misunderstanding because there's a very big difference between finding the right professional that will understand this and give you the right tools versus some people or professions or friends or family that do the exact opposite and make you think that you're crazy that's where when I began the show today, Kelly, when I said to you, can we talk about how people get here, get to making a phone call to us or get to listening to the podcast show? And you came up with the social one. That's so perfect. Because it, it, it illust- you, you've picked one that illustrates, um, I'll say, a process. So do you want to continue with the process? Uh, so I'm talking about... I was going to give a different example, actually. Oh, because okay. you keep talking about physical examples. And while I think that's really great, um, there's a... But you, I also gave the one about being having anxiety at home, too. That's... Yes. But okay, I get what you're saying. But your anxiety was related to a feeling you had in your foot. 
and seeing oh. the person's foot okay. helped alleviate anxiety. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to say this. Um, this is just a recent example. You and I were at a bri- um, not a bridal shower, a baby shower not too long ago. And I remember getting ready for that shower, um, changing my outfit quite a few times, changing my hair, being really upset with the way I looked, being really upset with that the fact that I couldn't couldn't seem to dress myself. Um, very appearance based and very insecure. Um, but I had previously had a great morning, just like my own living my own life, had a good morning. As soon as I had to start getting ready for this shower, I felt like I was just falling apart. And <clears throat> pardon me. We got to the shower. You and I snagged a table right up front near the mother-to-be and ended up hearing all of the insults that her aunt was throwing at her. Oh, right. About her appearance. And it was really eye-opening to know that the anxiety was coming from the thoughts that this mother-to-be had every time she was in a room with her family because they were constantly condescending. Right. And so not necessarily a physical thing where you can see a cast. And had we not snagged that table, I might not have even have had those affirmations of how she has spoken to. Um, luck, I'll say luckily enough, and I don't mean that, that I'm happy she was being insulted, but luckily enough, I got an affirmation. Right. Um, but couldn't understand why I was so unhappy with myself and then understood walking into an environment where she was the center of attention and not being given great attention, um, I could feel all of her anxiety and her discomfort being at her own shower. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions then. Okay. When you're sitting at a table like that and you feel her discomfort, you get the affirmation. What do you do with it? Hmm. What did I do or what should I have done? You can do anything you want with that because you and I feel that all day, every day. Um, And I'm just asking you so that you can provide different answers for people because I'm sure they want to hear. Okay. What do you do with that when you, when you know? Okay. It's going to be very honest then. You and I got in the car quite um, very shortly after that and I think swore a blue streak for her. And I'll say for her on her behalf, right? This, this is getting real. Um, because she's never allowed to be angry. She's never, she's never allowed to speak up for herself. Right. And so, and I I understand that there's some other complexes here about people pleasing and whatnot, but she's always beaten down. She's never given the tools to stand on her own two feet and be a, a confident young woman. Um, and so we got angry and upset for her. And yeah, wasn't, wasn't appropriate to do it in the actual venue. Not our job to do her whatever dirty work for her, but it was, it was, I'll say an emotional release for her, um, where I for sure felt like crying too. Um, and she probably doesn't get to have those kinds of releases. Okay. Is that probably not where you were headed with that? I wasn't headed anywhere. Uh, okay. I, I really just wanted you to be able to share whatever came to you in that. And I think it was great because you're just explaining that as an empath, you're finding a way and an outlet, even though it's not verbal to approach her mm-hmm. or the person that was doing it to her. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say, give those messages. You just, um, that it's also a choice, um, just to be able to do nothing about it, it as you said, but be able to release the energy, uh, and that we chose apparently at that time to, 
express it in the car where we felt safe mm-hmm. and where um, we, I'll say, I don't know how to describe that, but where there's just an outlet and you and I figure out what that outlet is. I think it was appropriate. Yes. I okay. think that when you say safe, I mm-hmm. 100% agree. I also think it was appropriate because like mm-hmm. you said, it wasn't hurting anyone else. It was just an emotional release, I'll say, into space, into air. It mm-hmm. wasn't add another person to attack. Mm-hmm. It was just simply to kind of grunt and curse. Okay. That's good. It's, and I asked you that because empaths don't often know what to do mm-hmm. with the feeling they have. So I wanted to add to that um, and ask uh, and ask questions. So what other things do you do to release or let go after or during if you have an affirmation that you've been you just explained that you were feeling emotionally I had said that I was feeling physically Mm -hmm. so we're doing the different senses so emotions Mm -hmm. and physical stuff Um, what are some of the things you do as an empath to release that when you when you are empathic Um, two things come to mind I cry and I know you cry a lot. Uh, we both, <laughs> we should probably have shares in Kleenex. Um, yeah, we cry a lot for our, our clients um, and for people who are not our clients, just ones that we kind of have these encounters out in public with. Uh, the other one is I shake, which I know you are aware of. Um, so oftentimes when I'm laying down in, in bed, whether it's before I get up or before I go to bed, um, I literally just shake. I let my body kind of just vibrate on the bed, uh, back and forth, kind of left to right, I guess, um, just to kind of release the energy that's built up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there other ones, other things? or What else do I do to release? Mm-hmm. Sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, physical activity is a big outlet for me. I don't play, I technically not a contact sport. I play volleyball. Um, like contact with the ball. I love that. I know I'll text my captain a lot and say, I need to hit shit tonight, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Or even just digging, I know is a huge thing for me. Just flying in the backcourt and playing defense, uh, running, going to the gym with you, uh, walking, being on the water. I have a lot, there's a lot of physical outlets, I think. And sleep is an outlet, but not one I like to overuse. Uh, cause it, well, we've talked in previous podcasts that it can be used uh, kind of to your detriment if you're sleeping too much to cope with what you're feeling um yeah a lot of physical stuff music music yeah it's a good one probably shouldn't have forgot that mm-hmm. we, yeah we i our podcast playlists are lit or um not podcast sorry ipod playlists are actually called dance it out where we'll have little random dance parties just to sort of release the energy talking mm-hmm um, I'm just throwing some of my own out. Um, I'm not trying to put these on you. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying both of us can uh, to provide some tools as to how to cope. Yeah. I I like what you said about talking. I want to offer the word debriefing because I think some people talk, but they talk around the issue. They don't they don't actually talk about what they're feeling and debriefing actually sticking to what happened or what you're experiencing is important. Journaling. Mm. I'm just keeping um, a book of all of the experiences, um, but also uh, writing down your validation so that you can see which senses are best for you. Mm -hmm. So if uh, I remember 
I often when I'm teaching this to people, and we, you, you and I, when we're doing workshops um, for pe- for groups and stuff, um, teaching people to keep a journal where on one side you write down those empathic experiences, and then write down which senses you noticed. So did you smell something? Did you mm-hmm. did you taste something? Um, did you hear it? Did you have an inner knowing? Did you feel it, like the soreness in the foot, mm-hmm. the feeling in the brain, um, or the inner knowing? Um, so there, to make sure that you're checking in with all six senses. And if you have other senses beyond that, describe that, because it can be a combination of senses um, that create new feelings and um, that it's important. I even, you know, like to say to people, even maybe write them in different colors if you want, so that at the end of a month or the end of a week or a year, if you look back into that book and you see, you know, that empath in your abilities to have an inner knowing might be much stronger than how often you smell. Mm -hmm. But perhaps the two occasions when you smelt something man was it accurate Mm -hmm. maybe you smelt fire and that is exactly when a big building in your city burnt to the ground and it's like and you could you were crying for days before Mm -hmm. but that it may not be that that sense is used the most often Mm -hmm. but when it's used it's it's i'll say it's at a 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. um and you know there are lots of different signs some people get like a burning ear some people get like a um um, just one or two things. They don't use all of their senses. It just might be, mm-hmm. geez, whenever my ear burns, so I know someone's going to die. Yeah, I think that's neat. It's like the reference system that you and I have talked about mm-hmm. with our other gifts. Mm-hmm. Because you, when your ear burns, it might mean something different than when my ear burns. Right. And you have to develop that gift to know and make those connections. Perfect. I, and, and it can be, too, in using these gifts um, I better check in with you. Go ahead. We were still throwing <laughs> out tools. <laughs> no, sorry. We were doing tools and I started saying some. So did you want to add more? No, the, uh, those are, those are most of mine. Um, yeah, I was going to say books, but I think that's more of an escape. So I'm, I'm going to retract that one. Okay. And I'm going to say journeying yeah. for me, um, which is, sh- is shamanism. Mm-hmm. Um, in being able that that is something for me that gives me answers it gives me clarity mm-hmm. um, when I journey to my guides they answer the questions for me so that they're that I'm calmer mm-hmm. um, this would be other people's version of meditation to a certain degree I'm gonna say no okay um, and I and I want to be clear about that because um, in our North American culture, there is a very big difference between meditating and being a shaman and doing a journey. Right. And that if everybody out there taking a meditation course starts calling them a shaman, we're going to be in trouble. Oh, boy. So, no. Um, because in meditation, there's this, this belief that you have to get to no thing and that you have to have white space and that there are no thoughts. And when you're a shaman, that is not your reality. There are lots of thoughts. The journey is very busy and that there are lots of answers and guidance. So it's not the same as meditation. Not my experience of it. Well, there's thousands of different versions of meditation. So I would agree. I just meant it was some people's version of meditation. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, I don't want to go down that road. Me neither. Okay. It's already too political. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, okay. Um, so we were naming some of the things that people can feel before that people can feel when they're okay go ahead yeah sorry I, well one thing came to mind when you said what people can feel before is claustrophobia oh um, yes i this is huge for me and i remember going into the malls and just feeling like i was gonna have a panic attack because well mall is a social situation i'm not expected to interact with every person that walks by me and basically no one essentially but there's so many people around you living in their own heads stressing their own stresses enjoying their own days you know in their own ways um but just being around so many people, even if the hallways were crazy wide, like the Rito Center, I was still so claustrophobic in public settings like that. Okay. Okay. Um, surges of energy. Some people feel dizzy. They feel yeah. lightheaded. Mm -hmm. They feel uh, a rocking sensation. Mm -hmm. Some get rapid eye movement. Um, some have problems swallowing. Um, some people feel out of body, I'll call it mm -hmm. dreamlike, um, uh, daydreaming. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of some of the different things that I have felt. Oh, I used to feel a great push from behind. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, like somebody had a hand behind me knocking me off my balance, mm -hmm. but that I was trying very hard to catch my balance. And I know a lot of these symptoms, I'll say, of an empath are interchangeable with anxiety issues. Yeah. And this is really why mm -hmm. I wanted to point out, or we want to point out some of these things, because a lot of people experience anxiety, depression, lots of other, I'll say, things that science could put a, a label on that are interchangeable with gifts. Mm -hmm. And that if you don't understand that, you're, I'll say, misdiagnosed. Mm. Uh, and, and really only for the reason of that there's a lack of being educated about the gifts themselves. Yeah. Something that you did for me, or continue to do for me, I should say, is... Um, okay, I don't know how to say it in one kind of word, so I'm just going to give all the examples that I can think of. You observe me very well, being roommates um, and living together for so long you like if you and I are together for a morning you're very good to observe the mood that I'm in my behaviors mm -hmm. and sometimes when I like maybe if I run out to the bank or whatever and I come home and my mood is completely shifted and I'm like mom I'm in such a bad mood I'm so angry and you're like well whose is that because you've had an excellent day you know you it's not that you just take responsibility away from me and my own mood because uh, I think some people can be like, oh, it's someone else's, don't worry about it, uh, and kind of brush it off. You really make me examine my own behaviors to know if it's mine or if it's someone else's, if this came on very suddenly or if this has just been a consistent bad mood since I woke up that morning, mm -hmm. right? And so I can go, oh, yeah, you're right. I was totally loving desk work this morning. I had two great clients. I was excited to go out and run to the mall because I know all the people at the bank. And oh, you're, you're right, I came back in a bad mood. It was in the car that everything shifted. And so you, I start to kind of realize where the bad mood crept in um, or where the discomfort or the anxious feelings happened. Uh, and it's easier to kind of uh, detach from them, I guess, and go, okay, I guess they're not mine. I am in a good mood. I'm, I am looking forward to my day. Uh, and tools you're talking about is uh, 
once I'm aware of those feelings, I usually just kind of offer up an intention that whoever needs love or needs support um, and safety that day, you know, kind of offer that to the universe for whoever it is that's actually struggling. And it helps me get back into my own space. Okay. How do you get back into your own space then after you know that it's somebody else's? Mm, I think that goes into, well, empathy right away. Because when I realize it's someone else's, I empathize that I would never wish that feeling on someone else. So that's the intention of sending love because I sure hope it wouldn't be mine, right? Like I don't want that feeling. So I'm offering someone love for the opportunity for them to switch their mood or their their feelings. So instantly it's a mindful activity to offer love to someone. And then I usually switch to a self-love activity, um, which I really push in uh, in my life coaching practice and in, in all of the energy sessions is to do one thing, even if it's for five minutes, um, that kind of puts me back in my own headspace. I've watched you get down into push-ups and sit-ups and jump on the trampoline for five minutes because that is a little burst of activity that puts you back in your headspace. Um, flip on a song we were talking about, Dancing in the Kitchen. Um, any number of things that Petting just... Petting Parker? In, yep. Playing with him for a couple minutes and getting my, my puppy kisses. Uh, there are tons of things that just kind of reshift this is important because that means that you are aware of what puts you into you. Yeah. What moves you back into your own groundedness, your own energy mm -hmm. and knowing your own energy so that when you're, when you are listening to the music, when you are petting Parker or doing whatever, that you are aware of how you feel while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So it means that empaths have to work on their uh, their own self-awareness of what their norm or their healthy is sometimes i just touch the spines of my harry potter books and i'm good <laughs> i just have to touch it and i'm like okay i'm magical i'm okay yeah it's good i i love that it, it, it you know kelly sometimes it's a cup of tea mm -hmm. um or a cup of coffee um sometimes like for me it was to see trees mm -hmm. um so that no matter where i was um, that I could see trees, but I had to figure out that if I'm in an elevator and I'm being empathic and somebody's in the elevator yeah. and I, or I'm in the middle of a business meeting, you've seen me in business meetings where my empathic stuff is so huge. I can't talk yeah. and that I'm, and, and people look at me in the meetings, like I'm being irresponsible or I'm not engaging mm -hmm. and I'm engaging a hundred times more than every other human in the room. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually feeling the people in the room that are looking at me and talking to me, wondering why I'm not answering their question, mm -hmm. that I'm actually picking up their stuff and processing it, sending them that love or healing, whatever it is, because you and I have different ways to process. Mm -hmm. So other people might say, how? And, when, and I'm answering these, I, I wanted you and I to answer these questions of mm -hmm. these tools, but one of the tools that I use and you um, has to do with being an, being energy healers. Mm -hmm. So because we have studied Reiki, therapeutic touch, quantum touch, uh, crystal and gemstone healing, alchemical healing, shamanism, we don't we aren't just empaths. We actually moved past that to figure out how to process being an empath. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's sitting there going, "Oh my God, then I need to study quantum physics." Yeah, mm -hmm. pick up a book. If you if you want to understand it a little bit better and know how to use energy, study anything that moves energy mm -hmm. so that you're not stuck with it. If 
and and again, this is just another tool yeah. or another choice. I'm not saying everybody. <laughs> you just lost part of your system over there. <laughs> You're falling apart, Kel. <laughs> um. Anyway, it's 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 one more tool as to what do you do when you feel something or you're using your empathic gifts. Some people might want to say, can I just cut it off and walk away? So you might even use a visualization or a process in your mind that you're disconnecting. Okay. I'm going to throw something out there. And if you disagree, I'd really love to hear to hear it. Um, Because I was going to offer memory. I think memory is a huge, powerful tool. Beautiful. Um, And I know that uh, sometimes, Amanda's going to laugh, sometimes when I'm really angry in a yoga class, I'm just angry with my body and and the limitations that I feel that day. Um, I, you know, I'm laying in Shavasana at the end of class and I will, I will go back to the memory of when I picked Parker out uh, and what it felt like to hold him for the first time, what it felt like to have his little kiss on my cheek for the first time and that smell. And it's just like instant, instant love, instant mm-hmm. happiness, instant. Okay. I'm moving on with my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some people would look at that as cutting off the previous feeling and mm-hmm. disconnecting. Um, but perhaps it's also a like wiring of a different type of, um, path that you want to continue using, which I was going to offer the book, um, the power of habits. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that really helps, um, reset the brain. Mm-hmm. And I want to throw out something else choice that for me, sometimes it's just standing in that moment of whatever empathic stuff is going on. So I'll go back. You, you wanted to do one-on-one, like where you're sitting in a restaurant mm-hmm. And say, as an empath, I'm picking something up about someone in the restaurant, that I can do that, but that I have a series of choices. I have a choice to send love or not. I have a choice to continue feeling it or not. I have a choice to bring my brain in, like you said, to do a memory of something else, ground, which might ground me and put me back into that I'm enjoying my lunch with this person. I'll say being more me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there are choices and that because of the awareness, you can be aware that you do have choices around it. And some empaths may not, they may feel so overwhelmed that they don't even believe that they've got one. Okay. Because their gifts might just be opening and they don't understand that they still have choice. I, I find this interesting and I'm not looking to fight. I'm, you said that there's a choice to feel it or not. And I, I'm actually really shocked that you even said that because I've been in pl- places with you where you don't want to, but you continue to feel it. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I'm I'm a little confused at that comment. OK, no, that's fair. That's fair. So let me just pause for a second. If I'm trying to say what my own experiences are or that perhaps other people have a choice or don't and that I know that I don't but that perhaps some other empaths may. Okay, so that they can shut it off. That some of them can, and that Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I can. I just know that some of them can do that, Mm -hmm. and that they may have a choice. Mm -hmm. I I realize in my life that the the feelings are so strong that I can't, Mm -hmm. or maybe that somebody might say, well, maybe she doesn't have the tools to turn it off yet, Mm -hmm. and there are more tools ahead for her too. 
I absolutely know that I don't get to turn it off. Or I would have turned off the feeling of hemorrhoids (laughs) while I was sitting in the Capitol (laughs) Center beside a woman who had them. (laughs) Um, And so on and so on. You can't feel mine right now, eh? No. Good. Um, so is that turned off or is that just that I'm not picking it up? There's, there are gray areas here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not sitting here doing this show thinking that I have 100% answers, Mm -hmm. but that through living 54 years with these gifts so far, um, that I understand that for many years I thought I was turning them off Mm -hmm. because I wasn't also allowed to talk about them. Okay. This is where I wanted to go next. So I, and this is something that I love about the close group of friends that we've kind of established. Um, when we are out with friends and we are feeling these things, there's constant check-ins. Um, and there's the the safety in the relationship to turn to them and say, I'm feeling someone's hemorrhoids. I'm not doing okay right now. I need to stand. I can't sit. Mm-hmm. And the friend can go, okay, what do you need? What, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. You stay here and you save our seats. Oh, okay, no problem. Uh, like there's, there's a communication of mm-hmm. needs. Uh, but it involves talking or debriefing what's actually being experienced uh, so that the other person knows how to support you. Okay. And can we, I, let's just keep going for a second, Kelly. You have had more friends at a younger age. Mm-hmm. And I will say I'm so thrilled that you are in your late 20s and that you've, you have this now mm-hmm. and that you've had this for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and maybe perhaps there, there may be children out there. Um, I think of John Edward because he talks about how his grandmother understood all these gifts and he grew up from birth being encouraged and not having to block everything. Now he might say, hold up the bus, not with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think of my own life where if people have heard the podcast show, they'll understand that certain professions shut mine down and made sure that I wasn't going to use them. So that there are people at different stages, some that have support, some that don't have that, but that you do have that because your friends all say care, but they also value who you are and don't want you to turn it off between work and being a friend Mm -hmm. that they understand. And this is the difference because I know that in some friendships for me, some relationships, um, People don't believe it at all. And so you have, there's dealing with that and then and still being an empath and trying to respect yourself. Mm-hmm. So that if I'm out in a restaurant with somebody who's might even be in my own family, but doesn't believe in any of these gifts or who I am, that I still have to find a way to respect myself and still be myself when they don't want me to. Mm-hmm. And that I'm still trying to find and use my tools when they're sitting in front of me saying, I don't want you to use any of your tools because I don't believe in anything that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and how wonderful it is that you you have got these beautiful people that do value it, don't just see it as a job for you, but that it is your entire life. So they don't expect you to turn it on and turn it off. Okay. But partly, too, that you've been able to verbalize um, what you need mm-hmm. and that they then take cues from that and remember it so that when you're going through it again another time, they do know what you need. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're 
they're kind, there's kindness, mm. there's consideration, there's thoughtfulness, they're, they check in, they ask you questions, what do you need? Um, and how wonderful that is, but that that came in part from you being able to, I won't say train them, but I mean, help them understand it. Yeah. And I know even when it's not something I can pinpoint, like I will say, you know, from out at lunch with someone, I'm having anxiety. I can't focus. I'm having anxiety and I feel dizzy right now. And there's just a pause where they can sit back and go, okay. And they don't have to understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that people or a reason that people are afraid to talk about things is that they won't be able to make the other person understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's always a necessary part of the process. Mm -hmm. I think just letting them know what you're experiencing can sometimes be enough. Mm -hmm. um, because if there's, like you say, if there's enough respect and, and enough love between the two of you, um, just as individuals, there can be just a space for safety. I can think of some instances where I would explain that how I knew something or felt something. And uh, the response back from the other person would be something like, I'm sick of you talking like that. Um, I don't believe in that. And then where you, where you have to go within yourself, not to shut down, but to find the tools within yourself, the kindness within yourself to still let yourself validate your own experience, that you weren't going to get it from somebody or I wasn't going to get it from somebody ar around me, maybe in that particular moment that I might be able to later mm -hmm. and that I would have to make plans to have tea with somebody so I could say it and talk about it. Go ahead. Uh, well, I think that's my point is that they don't have to understand the person in front of you doesn't have to, to know exactly what's going on. So let's say it was a physical thing that I was feeling, um, such as hemorrhoids. Let's just mm -hmm. go with that one. Mm -hmm. And there's an anxiety when you have hemorrhoids, right? Like uh, yeah. the awful feeling that it is and if it's going to escalate, if you're going to be able to sit, um, just tons of different things. So, I might not necessarily say this is what I'm feeling physically, but I might say I have I have so much anxiety right now, mm -hmm. knowing that once I get home, because this person in front of me knows how to deal with anxiety, then when I get home, I can talk to you about it, specifically what happened. And the debriefing comes, like you said, later. Mm -hmm. uh, but just to let them know emotionally that you're not feeling, you know, on top of your game can sometimes be enough for the person in front of you. Beautiful. So when we're, you're making that point and I'm adding to that point that a, um, a support system. Mm, you can find pieces of support. It doesn't have to, it doesn't, one person doesn't have to be the entire support system. Right. And that the support system can also be listening to podcasts. It can also be listening, as I said earlier, to TED Talks. It can be um, reading it in a book. I remember going through a period of time of reading about shamanism to understand that and empathic abilities mm -hmm. because as a shaman um they extreme they, they feel extremely what other people are going through um and using all of the gifts so even though maybe somebody's not a shaman reading the book about shamanism can help them understand intuitiveness mm -hmm. and that i went forward and i would read about quantum physics and energy healing and all I'm, I'm saying in all different ways you know I've read books like on science about neuroscience and stuff so that even from a neuroscientist point of view I could understand something mm -hmm. so it this requires work maybe what people are hearing is that some of the tools mean that you have to actually work at this and I know some people will sit there and go oh I have to work you probably turned this podcast off a while ago <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's very true. Thanks for staying with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah so if you're if you're still listening to the podcast after this you know you know 50 minutes or whatever that it must mean then at some point that you are willing to do your work Mm -hmm. but that is your path that is your soul contract with yourself that is what you came here to experience and that that is part of that bigger picture that this is why you've picked different lifetimes to be able to go through something like this for connectivity to understand how other people feel but also knowing that other people can understand how you feel. Mm-hmm. So if you have an empath uh, in your life who understands how you feel and the comfort and the love and the beauty and how connected you feel to another human being when you know somebody else knows that you're hit, you're something in you hurts or doesn't. It's not all negative. The other thing is about being empathic is that it's not all negative. It's not all about pains and negative thoughts. They can be beautiful thoughts. They can be beautiful feelings. Mm-hmm. That as an empath, we can feel love mm-hmm. That's two pe- that somebody has for something. Mm-hmm. And that empathic abilities doesn't mean that it's all grunt work mm-hmm. or all, well, why would I want to be that? It's just going to be no. full of pain. I think people get the positive stuff intuitively because, you know, I think about watching So You Think You Can Dance. Um, and how you empathize with the dance because it brings out so much emotion and you feel, Mm -hmm. you feel like you're dancing, um, just watching it or you watch American Idol and you watch Mm -hmm. someone win and maybe they weren't your favorite, but you see how happy they are. And instantly you're just like, wow, I'm so incredibly happy for that person. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just as natural as, as the painful stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wanted to say something too. It just came to mind and it, it may be very random at this point. Is that okay? Or do you, are you on to like another? I find it annoying that you keep asking me permission for your own stuff. Well, (laughs) it's your show. Go for it. Okay. Um, I had a, a, a client, a young boy who is having power surges. Mm -hmm. They, sometimes medical people think that they're thought it was seizures Mm -hmm. and it wasn't seizures. It's surges of energy. Um, they can't find anything in an MRI. There's no tumor. There's nothing of the sort that it has to do with energy and it has to do with his empathic gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, so they've ruled out all of the medical components. I'll say from a science base. I don't know how else to word that. And when he came in, I, the spirit world said to me, we're going to give you a little electrical pain and, and or a little feeling. I don't know what else to call it, but people can identify if I say a zap or mm-hmm. I don't know. There's certain terms to, to how we relate as humans, but a feeling in one part of my body. So say it was my big toe and um, they said, send it to him. And I said, OK, so he's sitting there and I sent him the energy of the feeling in my toe. Mm-hmm. So I'll say a little zap or something. Well, I don't know, because that's just a way people can understand this. And then I looked at him and he looked right at me. And I said, did you get that? And he goes, did I get what? <laughs> and I said, did you feel the little feeling in your big toe? And he jumped a little bit. And he looked at me and he goes, yes, I got like a little zap in my toe. What do you mean did I feel? What did you do? And I said, well, I said, there's a little feeling in my big toe. He goes, what? I said, well, I got I cr- like there was a creation of a sensation in my foot, in my big toe right here. And I showed him where. And I said, it was like a little, you know, like a little zap kind of a feeling. Not painful, but just so you'd know it was there. I sent it to you in your big toe. Did you get it? I did. I said, well, why don't you send it back to me? 
And I said, but don't send it back into my big toe. Send it somewhere else in my body and I'll tell you where. And he's like, yeah, sure you will. <laughs> so he sent it back. And I said, oh, I said, I got it right here. So I showed him the part on my body. So say it was right in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I pointed to my chest and I said, did you send it right here? And he smiled and he went, yes, I did. And I think about that beauty, the beauty, and I call it beauty because it's a shared energy of being able to create something, send it to somebody and, and then have them send it back to me. Mm -hmm. And that when you're empathic, you can do it at that level of willfulness. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Kelly, you'll pipe in, I know, in two seconds and say, yes, that can be where you feel love for, for someone <laughs> when you fall in love and you, you, you create your own feeling of love in some way because it's an energy. How'd you create that? And then that you sent it to that person and that when that person feels that from you, if they like it, they add their own feeling of love about something of mm-hmm. something and they send it back to you. And we call that being in love with each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to say that that's an empathic, and I know you already did, so I'm just adding to it, that you can do it. Do you need me for this conversation? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to add to it in other ways so that people can understand that it's both positive and both challenging sometimes, Yeah. but that you can willfully do it mm-hmm. to experiment, to play with it as an ability. That if Because this show is about being an empath and about empath and how different tools Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to say that you can practice it Mm -hmm. and that we practice it with love but we can practice it with other things Mm -hmm. I'm for sure gonna pipe in and that was exactly the example I was gonna give Uh, and I I never know if it's insulting people's intelligence um, but I you meant gave the example of being in love and I just want to generalize it because I don't think everyone practices the ability to generalize things or to take things into different situations and apply them appropriately. So when you say being in love, some people might not be able to put their headspace there and think, well, I haven't been in love or whatever. This is my version or it has to be my significant other. I think about a client that I've had for over a year now. She's away at university and I've given her special permission to text me when she's having anxiety Um, and when she needs support. So she'll text me and say, can you send me love? I'm having, I'm struggling. And I will say, I'm hugging you. Uh, And I send an energetic hug to her. And it's like two minutes later, she'll text me and be like, thanks, I'm better. Mm -hmm. Like she can feel the hug. So you're talking about intentional, intentional energy and sending that out. It doesn't have to be with a significant other. It can be with anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if I, like, when you're talking about that you are sending out that hug, mm-hmm. that she feels that mm-hmm. in a different city, and that we do this for people all over the world, and I bringing back a little bit the relation to going to a hockey game mm-hmm. and being able to feel the two boys on the ice or the two girls on the ice or the two men or women, the pain, that I'm feeling it, that my intention then is sending love, and that... People in different situations, whether it's in the restaurant, it's at a at a friend's house. You could be sitting in the basement in a friend's house and two people could be upstairs arguing, not even hearing it, but an empath will feel it in the house. Mm-hmm. So I'm wanting to use different locations and different 
scenarios so people could relate to it. You could go to work. And before you even get to work, your mood could shift on the way to work. Where once you get there, you could have a different feeling than when you woke up with. Mm -hmm. But it's somebody else's feeling at work. And if you go up to a coworker and say, are you okay? If they say, I'm fine. Then you never get your affirmation. You might have to watch it during the day to know they're not fine Mm -hmm. or hear it in their tone of voice. And if you pop back in and say, you know, I've noticed all morning you're, you know, you've been angry. Every client that you've spoken to, you're short with. I asked you this morning when we came in, if you were okay, obviously you're not. No, I'm fine. What we do to other people when we just shut it down Mm -hmm. and we won't be honest about our own feelings or we're scared to. Well, I think society doesn't make it even socially acceptable. Right. We walk by each other saying, hi, how are you? And don't wait for an answer. Yes. I'm fine. I mean... Grey's Anatomy talks about this all the time. The word fine is the absolute opposite. Oh, yeah. Derek does, eh? When he says to Christina or something about you guys are always fine. Yeah. Fine, fine. Yeah. And and fine meaning that... Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Yeah. And I'm, I've put up a wall. It's not an answer. It's, it's a wall. Mm-hmm. And that empaths move past that wall. And I want to say something about empaths and what this is. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's integrity. It, it's... It's it's the truth, it's the integrity, it's the bottom line of everything. And that scares the shit out of other people because they lose control. And so what it can come to when you're an empath and what you will struggle or could struggle with um, is the fear that other people feel when you're empathic and you know the truth. Mm-hmm. And that they then feel that they've lost control in the relationship because you know the truth now. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult. That might have to put us into a whole other show. Well, that's fine. We can open up questions. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Or did you want to cover anything else in this one? If you think back to the beginning of where you said you wanted this to, mm-hmm. to go. No, I think we covered a, quite a few different situations of where people okay. have a hard time feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also touched on the really like the happy times too. I'm good with that. I hope that for somebody who is an empath or for somebody who knows someone else is that they're and they're listening to this that they share this podcast and that they use this as a foundation to open up conversation. And it it can be that you know your child is and you need to talk to the teacher. It can yeah. be this podcast could be a tool to share it with the teacher or or with maybe with a doctor, maybe with your physiotherapist Mm -hmm. or your massage therapist, um, whomever, so that, um, so that there's a more dialogue or that the dialogue could change or the vocabulary could. I also hope, because I know how vulnerable this podcast can make people, um, this can be a tool for, for those who want to know how to control another person. Mm-hmm. Because if we're talking about the importance of affirmations and you are a partner that withholds and now you know that every time you withhold, you shut your empathic partner down uh, and it gives you more power, uh, then you, you'll you always have the upper hand. And I hope that you are using this information with the right intention. And that if you are the partner being controlled, that perhaps you can notice some patterns uh, with any one of the relationships in your life, because it's not always a partner, uh, where someone is desiring control over you. That's perfect. 
because that leads into so many other conversations. We're going to get a lot of emails going, what the fuck? Oh, yes. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Because you and I see it every day in sessions, mm-hmm. uh, how people are trying to control each other. And you're absolutely right about, mm-hmm. well, what it's going to boil down to is integrity. Mm-hmm. What it's going to boil down to is love. Mm-hmm. It's going to boil down to, do you want to be in love or do you want control? And if you're in that relationship where one person thinks, I want love, and the other one goes, I don't, I want control, mm-hmm. then you are screwed because it there's no foundation. Mm-hmm. It's not okay for one person to to want love while the other wants control. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do you want to end this podcast on that? <laughs> Sure. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Um, as always, we'll open the floor up to questions. If you have any questions or comments to about today's podcasts or previous ones that you've listened to, you can email us at info at bysarlo.com and we'll, uh, we'll be sure to create a new podcast out of the questions that you send us. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week.